How do you do the swipe up? Oh, you go like that. No, I took a photo of my screen. Oh, do you, then you have How to do the down. airplane mode? That? No, 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 no. Or that? Like that. Oh, no. Wait, then there's... Like oh, oh, double, double swipe? Okay. I don't know if double swipe, just... Every time they change a new iPhone, everything else changes. Like, you learn <laughs> yeah. some, something, and then whatever. But then now I pick up what other phone, I'm like... The old one? Home 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 home. Home. Oh, it's this home button, right. Okay. Okay, guys, welcome. Um... I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to what 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 to cover today. I was like, I'm not even sure. Is anyone hot? Should I turn on the air? I turned it off because everyone walked down shivering because it was raining and people were. But if you get a bit stuffy, let me know. Um, so, anyone practicing meditation in between? No, I thought you were putting your arm up. You are. You are. I have the app after. <laughs> Which one? Which app? Headspace. Yes, and you're practicing. Yeah. How is it? It's not really like as more intense as it is here. No, it's not at all. Do you know that why that is? Because we're doing it more spiritually. Yeah, because we're including a whole yeah. realm that is left out of yeah. that. They do that realm because they want to appeal to the broadest audience yeah. and they don't want to turn people off for the people who aren't spiritual connected yeah. into the spiritual realm. But when you include the spiritual realm, you access a much greater depth yeah. in yourself, right? When, so that's what we're doing here. Uh, although there is huge benefit to doing headspace and you definitely are practicing the same muscles of focus, concentration, being present with and all of that kind of stuff. I've been listening to um, uh, Oprah, Su- uh, Su- Super Soul Sunday. Super Soul Sunday, pod- it is amazing. Like, wait, let me just turn this off. Now I've got to work out how to turn it off. Hi, welcome to Soul. Um, is this idea of uh, self-acceptance, compassion. How many saw that that's what I wrote on the Facebook post? And brought you here, maybe. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, I need to work on that. Um, me included. I'm working on it right now. So I thought, okay, it's always you teach what you have to learn, you know, always. So um, we're so bad at it. It is so hard, and so it's so like the irony is that it is the key to everything. It's the key that it, it's the key that unlocks your own freedom, your own growth, your own healing. All all these things is, is self acceptance. Without that initial basic self acceptance and compassion to yourself. Um, you're kind of stuck, you're kind of paralyzed, you know, you can't move really. And um, it's for some reason, it's just not a societal value. It is like we talk about it, but in reality, it's not. So we talk about it, like you'll hear it on all the podcasts, or you'll read about it on all the pop psychology, you'll, you'll, you'll hear about it, but to, in practice, it, you don't see it so often, right? You don't see it so often. We say things to ourselves we would never in a million years dream of saying to anyone that we even slightly cared about, right? All the time, all day, it's our, it's our inner, inner voice and we're, not, and we're not trained to listen to it to catch it. We just do it like autopilot and it's so damaging. So um, what I wanted to talk about was the frame of this from a spiritual kabbalistic perspective in the frame of what many of you have heard me speak about and in the past as a model. I don't want to go into that class, I'm not going to repeat that class, but Who's heard the world of connection, disconnection model? The idea that we've done? Only three of you? Are you joking? Wait, what, what, what? Three, yeah, you three. That's it? No one else? Four. You haven't heard it? Oh my gosh, okay. I'm not going to go into it all, but I'm going to, I'm going to recap for like a few minutes to explain it again, because it's not, it, it's, and this has got like tons of information on it, but the reason I want to go into it is I want to show where self-acceptance and compassion fits in with this, yes? Um, and then we're going to do a meditation on that acceptance. 
the, the reason why the class part is so important is because you deepen your, deepen your understanding of something and then it means so much more when you're in it. If we go, oh yeah, self-acceptance, compassion, let's just close our eyes and practice, right? It wouldn't, hi, Caroline, welcome. It wouldn't, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't mean as much without your deeper understanding, right? We, we have all the faculties engaged usually and, that, and that's what helps transformation is when I understand something deeply, my heart wants it and I go to practice it, right? So when I'm fully engaged in something and I understand something deeply, um, if I just jump into something without understanding it, there's a certain also limitation. The mind's got to be bought in and on board, right? So this is why we do the mind first. The mind goes, mm-hmm, oh yes, that makes sense. Mm-hmm, yes, that's empirical. Oh, okay, great, right? Mm-hmm. And then we go, okay, thank you so much. Put you to the side, now let's practice it. But the mind will let us practice it because it gets it. You hear? Like you got you got to engage all the parts of you. So um, this this whole thing I usually do, I, actually I did five, I, this was a series of five classes in Neve. When I was taught this at Neve, I did at least five classes on this model. Um, and then I condensed it to some very quick version on campuses and, and communities when I go out to communities. And everyone just is like, this is so true, right? Because they resonate with, with this idea, which is from the Torah, Rav Volba brings it down. Um, that inside each one of us, there's two different universes at any one time. There's the world of connection and there's the world of disconnection. So the physical world's the same, but inside myself, I can flick into two different universes and two different worlds. I may be aware of it or not at any one given time. Right, the world of connection feels like love, relationship, intimacy, calm, peace, building. Halacha, halacha here I put is, um, well, let's leave that for now, but halacha really means the pathway, right, from the word lech to go. So halacha we translate as Jewish law, but the Jewish actual root for the word halacha is from lech, which means to go, which is actually means the pathway, if you want to translate it literally. So the halacha itself is the pathway in to the world of connection. Um, you hot? No, no, my contact is bothering me. Oh, okay, good, good. I mean, not good, but I'm yeah. Okay, so the world of connection is, um, is, is a world where I enter when I become a giver. Yorav Dessler says, when I become going to giving mode. And when I'm in giving mode, it feels so weird because sometimes I don't want to give and it, as if it's going to help me connect, I'm going to lose something if I give. It's often counterintuitive. But the Yetzir Tov op- operates through this world. The Yetzir Tov is the, the spiritual force inside of us that wants to move us into the world of connection. It's the source spiritually of the voices in our heads that want to do good in the world. They want us to be the best we can be. They want us to um, make a difference, to live from Jewish values. This is what the Yetzir Tov voice inside of you is. I'm not sure if you should do that. Maybe it's not the best thing. You know, like all those voices in our immoral conscience, higher self, these all come from the Yetzir Tov, which is a spiritual force inside of us that wants us to be the best we can be, actualize our potential, be our highest self, live from that place, be, be bigger than that small self that we are. That's what this whole world is around. Ignore the purple for a minute. The world of disconnection is a world of fear, a world of isolation, a world of loneliness, a world of anxiety. I don't know why. I'm feeling anxious. I'm always panicking. I'm, I'm thinking the worst. I'm always doubting myself. I'm doubting my truth. I'm doubting my, my decision-making, right? It's a, it's a place where I, wanna, I, I just want I like to judge people. I feel good when I judge someone, I feel better than them, right? It's all those places that destroy relationship, destroy connection in some way, right? Um, and there's a power to that. There's an objective power when you get to speak some juicy gossip about someone. You feel good. Like, yes, did you know? Oh my gosh, did you know about, right? And they're like, no way, really? And you're like, yeah. I like it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a juice in that. This feels really good for that moment. And then you walk away if you have any awareness and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I just do that? I just destroyed a world. I just destroyed something. But in the moment, there's a seductive, infantile kind of illusion of power and an illusion of feeling good in that moment. Um, 
everything in life we get to choose. I can align with my purpose for connection or against its purpose for disconnection and I get to choose. Every single person gets to choose. Do I want to align my talents, my skills, my abilities for connection or for disconnection? Every moment of every day, whether you're aware of it or not. That's what defines us. So if I'm a writer, I can write to build awareness about the world, building, self-awareness, inform, educate, do something good, do something good for the world. Or I can destroy a reputation in five seconds and open any gossip magazine. Any gossip magazine, I'll destroy a person in a minute with my, with my pen if I'm a talented writer. I get to choose how do I want to use my koach, my power, my skill, my talent, my, any of my energy in my life. Do I want to build people? Do I want to destroy? Do I want to give someone a judgmental look or do I want to say, do you need help? In a moment, I can be in this world or this world, right? And we think, ironically, it's about the person. We think it's about them, if I'm judging them or if I'm looking at someone. Really, it's about me. The whole thing is a mirror back to myself. But of course, we don't live in the world of truth. We live in the world of illusion. So we think it's always about the other person. We think it's always about them. We're fine. We're good, right? I'm judging someone else. Is this making sense? Mm -hmm. So I get to choose which world I want to be in. But interestingly, God says, oh, you don't want to disconnect? Here's a pathway to move you into the world of connection. If you want to avoid disconnection, I'm going to give you a whole list of things called sins in English, which I don't like the word. But in Hebrew, Avera, Avera comes from the root Avir, that you passed it, you went off target. You went off target. You want to go in the world of connection? There's a whole list of things that if you do them, you will disconnect. Don't steal, disconnect you. Don't gossip, it's going to disconnect your relationships. Don't murder, it's going to disconnect you. Don't commit adultery, it's going to disconnect you, right? If you look at the root of nearly every Avera consciously, most of it's revealed wisdom that we get, that we understand there's a root of, of some sort of disconnection in nearly every sin that we know. There's only a couple that we don't have revealed wisdom about in this generation, like kosher. I have no idea how a cheeseburger disconnects me, but I really do believe it does on some level because I've learned enough about the map to see that everything else makes sense. So it's not a leap of, of complete blind faith. It's a leap of knowledge that I understand what I'm doing. Like I understand and I buy into the system that is so true in every other way that I do relate to and understand that in the couple areas I don't, I can appreciate that maybe I don't know everything, right? Maybe that I don't know the whole picture. But, but generally, most of areas we, we actually understand, psychology-wise, we understand how they disconnect. Anger, don't get angry, it's gonna disconnect you, right? There's all sorts of things we know. Okay, that was like the five classes in one, one class. Um, so, um, so, and we look into the, the Hebrew words to understand things like Torah, the word means instructions, right? Mora is a teacher, Torah is instructions. Mitzvot, mostly people translate as commandment, which it does mean. The word sav means command, but it also actually means connect. So there's 613 connectors that move you into the world of connection. If I find myself in the world of disconnection, I'm having a Debbie Downer, as you say, right? I'm going round and round in my spiral of self-pity, which we love to hate, but we love, right? And we have a friend who wants to cheer you up, and you're like, no, it's not good ever. No, it's terrible. No, right? And you're like committed to this misery. Um, so that, that there's, a, there's, there's a power here, there's a power here, and we like to stay stuck there. Um, so, so, why did I just, just I zoned out? Because mitzvah, there's, there's, there's different ways to get back into the world of connection, which is all the mitzvot, are trans, uh, if you look at the mitzvot, they're broken into two categories, between me and others and between me and God. So there's a degree that I'm connected to myself and others and God, to that degree I'll live in this world of connection. So this whole world is entered by the 613 mitzvot that are separated into between me and others and between me and God. Yes, assuming I'm connected to myself. Each one of those is a whole class. Like how do you connect to yourself? How do you connect to others? How do you connect to God, right? Um, and, and they're very important to explore. Um, so I'm not gonna go into it, but that's, that, that's part of this whole idea of what moves you in. 
And when you find that you're disconnected, it's because on some level you've unplugged from one of those three categories or more than one. And the most important thing to understand here is this is obviously the truth in the world, that we are unified and one. Yes, we are connected. This, the reality of the world is that it's connected. Everyone's connected, that we're not separate, right? You've heard this idea before? There's no, there's no, we feel separate, like we're separate people, but we're not, right? So, and obviously the, root, the, the, the prayer that we say every single day, like a meditation, to remind ourselves of this concept every single day is Shema. Yeah, Shema is the meditation every single day that I say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Everything is one, everything is connected. That's my reminder that everything is connected, there is no separation. So we have to say it every day because it's so hard to remember. Right? It's so easy to buy into the illusion that we're all separate. So one of my favorite studies that I do mention in this class, though, is that road rage, they found road rage dramatically decreases when there's eye contact between the cars. <laughs> when there's connection between the cars, there's the road rage completely stops. Why? Because you can't, the two worlds cannot coexist at the one time. To the degree that I feel love, I won't feel fear. To the degree that I feel fear, I can't feel love. It exists, they exist like a seesaw, so they can't coexist at exactly the same level. So you know this feeling, and it's happened to me unfortunately many times, where you're driving in your car A to B, I'm in my own selfish world, that's my car, my road, I want to do what I want to do, thank you very much, I'm going where I want to go, it's my road and my journey, and all of a sudden someone has, someone has a chutzpah to, 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 to get in front of me, right, without, without in the signaling, whatever. And I maybe beep, or I just get annoyed with my whatever, and then you look across and there's a sweet little grandma going, thank you. <laughs> and you're like, no problem. <laughs> right, all of a sudden, what happened to your anger? It disappeared because there was eye contact, right, between the cars and you saw outside of yourself. The car is the, is the worst kind of narcissistic bubble. The car is just you and your own bubble. Like, it's just you. Only you exist and it's only you that's important. You've got your music and your air. Everything's exactly as you want, right? You're and then all of a sudden something happens outside your will and outside your ego and outside what you want it to and you get really angry because things didn't happen according to your will and then you make eye contact and you connect with someone outside of you and all of a sudden, boom, it drops away, right? This happens over and over again in many, many different ways. And interestingly, one of the, um, now I'm going to new, new material, one of the questions that comes up is, Okay, that's very nice. So this is the truth, this world. So what the heck is this? Because this feels really real sometimes. It really does. It's not an illusion. We're not making it up. It really feels real. So what is this world if this is the truth? And we say, this is illusion. Like, what, what does that mean? Right? And, and, what, how does it, and, and how does it bring it... How, do you, how does this result if this is the truth? Like, how do you get to here if this is the truth? Like, what's going on internally? Do you understand the question? Like, so what is this? if this is the reality and we, I want to align with reality and okay, apparently this is a lie and a bit of a falsehood, but like, how do I, how do I, how does this result in me? This is a really trick question because it's deep cabal that I don't even understand. But that's the question, right? The question is, what is this world? And the only way I can describe it is, this world is the result when you step out of alignment with this. I have no idea what I just said. Okay. <laughs> this is the result when I, when I step out of alignment with this, meaning this is the truth of the world and I want to align myself with this world. And this is very antithesis to Western thinking because we don't understand it this way. We just understand we construct everything, we work out the problems, and then we fix it. So the, the Torah says, no, 
In fact, as a psychologist, I was curious about anxiety, right? Anxiety, this is normal grade anxiety, not anxiety disorders, but anxiety we all have all the time. Like I've got to do a public speaking thing. I'm, I've got a new job. I've got an interview, whatever it is, right? I have normal anxiety. So I was curious because psychology comes along and says, oh, there's all these techniques you can do to modify your behavior and da da. And they work and they're helpful to modify, but they never got rid of it. So I was curious like, oh, so what's Torah's approach to getting rid of anxiety? Interestingly, Torah comes along and says you can't get rid of it. It's always here in potential. It's always here in potential. You could always flick into this world. If you want to get to the source of anxiety, like to get rid of it, to cure it, the answer is to jump over to this world. And the degree that you build up the muscles to live in this world, a world of connection and love and faith and trust and amuna and faith and all these other, all these other qualities, to so the degree that I build up muscles to live in this world, to that degree I cannot feel that because they're like a seesaw that can't coexist. So if I want to address this, the Torah says, actually, leave it alone. Don't go into it and fix it because you can't fix it. Leave it alone and jump over to this world and use your muscles to build your muscles in the world of connection because the degree that you'll feel in that world of connection to that degree, you're, you, you won't feel the other world, right? Unbelievable. This was revolutionary for me as a psychologist. It was like a total switch. What do you mean? You have to go into the problems. You have to deconstruct the problems. You have to work it all out inside the problem. So I was like, no, 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 no. Sometimes it's better not to bring up the issues. Right? Especially in relationships, sometimes it's better not to debrief and talk through everything. Have you ever felt like you over-talked something out with a friend or a boyfriend? or You talked, you didn't need to, meaning it made it worse to talk everything and deconstruct everything? Because now there's, you're just left with bits all over the floor. So like, what do you, so what, what does Taurus say? Taurus says, to, so build first. Sometimes you just say, okay, there's issues there. We might need to work on them soon. Instead, let's build. Let's start building more foundation together. Let's build more relationship. And then once it's built, then I can go back and maybe address it if I need to. And sometimes you don't even need to. It does move away, right? It's a, not everything has to be looked at and deconstructed. Okay, so Torah says you can't get rid of this world. Instead, build up muscles and live in this world. So interestingly, what is this world? And if you see here, these are the, I, I wrote the opposite of the meter. This is character traits, these meters, right, that exist inside of us aligned with these worlds. So these are the qualities, some of them, there's many, many of them that are godlike. These are godlike qualities that align with the world of connection, that are godly, that exist inside of us. We all have these qualities. And this is all a continuum. And at some point, we're at all different levels of this continuum with every single meter. Everyone has their unique profile of how you are, right? And to the degree that you're moving into the world of connection with each of these and working on them and building them, to that degree, you'll move away from this world. Yes? Because it's a, it's a spectrum. It's a continuum. So to the degree I work on you know, hope and uh, hope and my connection with Hashem, to that degree I'll move away from despair. Yes? Joy, oh, maybe, sorry, was it joy? Joy and depression, patience, anger, honesty, dishonesty, kindness, cruelty, right? The more I focus on this, the more I won't feel any of these things. And if you want to see this statistically, it's amazing. There's a guy named Dr. David Rosmarin, R-O-S-M-A-R-I-N. Some actually, some people here, we even worked with him for a bit. He ran, started the Manhattan Anxiety Clinic Center here. And um, he did a PhD on exactly this. We have the same Rebbe that taught us this, right? So he is Rabbi Kellerman. We learned from Revolver. This is all Revolver stuff. So he did, in his work as a psych, top psychologist, I think he's a psychiatrist, psychologist, psychiatrist, psychiatrist. He did a whole, a whole uh, PhD on treating anxiety disorders with connection to God. And what happens with a control group that takes the regular treatment 
and another control group that takes the regular treatment and works on their relationship to God. And they found statistically hugely significant results in the difference between what happens when you actually work on a connection to God. Why? Because anxiety can't coexist. So it makes sense. Doesn't mean you, it's not medicine or spirituality. We don't hold by that, right? We hold by you always integrate medicine with everything you're doing. But if you, you gotta work, if you work on other realms, it makes sense that it would be more, more effective as well, right? Yes? So when you say connection, what do you mean? Connection to God? I'm gonna turn this on. Is this all right? Please. Okay, it's getting, it's all of a sudden got hot and everyone's got sweat all over their forehead. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> um, connection, what do you mean? Con- no, it's what con- do you define connection to God? That's what I'm asking. Oh, connection to God specifically? Yeah, because you're saying connection, there's so many ways to connect, but then what, what's the source, like what's the direct, I guess, way to go? Like, is it through prayer? Because yes. Because that's what I've been taught my whole life. Yeah, I mean, Connection to God is like how do you, it's like saying how would you connect to a person? But it's different because when you're connecting to a person, you're getting back, right? But when you're talking to God, you don't always get back. You don't get back in words in the moment, but you absolutely get back through your day and your life. Right. Hundred percent. Right. But you have to be looking for it and not make crazy jumps. So people like you know will see like I told you, I've done this one right ISR on a license plate. Oh my gosh, I've got to go to Israel. It's a sign. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people say stuff like that. Like, okay, honey, like calm down. Like no. So it can't be crazy leaps like this. So but, would you say a part? Sorry. Yeah. Would you say a part of it is also having faith that there is a God and that you know that He's there listening and you know is it all connected together? Is faith and connecting to God like a part of that, like reality, that world, whatever? Should we go there? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an important question. It's just it'll take me a few minutes to answer it. If you want to, sure. yeah, go yeah. there. <laughs> okay, should I go there? Um, connection to God happens on multiple levels at once. It's not one thing. It's not. It's not blind faith. It's okay. not like I believe, right, and just right. hope for the best. Um, that's that's not that's I, not that's not how we how we hold 100%, me. Hundred percent, but it is a step in the right direction, in my opinion, because the more you you know the quote where you fake it till you make it, yes. you kind of have to sometimes. You have yeah, to fake that. but that means part of you believes in it enough already to know that that's the right thing to do. So the part of you already is aware enough and believes in believes okay. in it. You already not it's not blind faith because you wouldn't have do you wouldn't even bother doing it. Mm-hmm. If you, on some level, didn't think it was true on some, you know, right. so there's already a part of you that's there, mm-hmm. but um, <coughs> there's a lot, a lot of empirical, not not proof, but evidence to suggest that it's the most logical, speaking to the mind now, logical decision to believe that there is a God that loves you and is overseeing every human and a lot of stuff to to read and look up. I can give you names. We can look at books. There is a lot that's really, like, logically to follow the argument if there's a God or not. Many things, even the design in the world. My brother's a zoologist, and he's really into biomimicry and talking, looking at the design of the world and how the detail of the design, like, in depth, and how there's, like, you're absolutely insane, he says, if you think that this was, like, randomly poof, like, oh, whoops, like, it's perfection, like, absolute. There's just, like, even just that alone, if you look at any single thing, is so designed perfectly, absolutely with perfection, with the intelligence of, of a designer that like no human being would ever think that anything could be designed without, without perfection randomly, right? So it doesn't logic. There's many, many, many things to say logically. It's, it's a logical conclusion to come to, to believe there could be a God. Okay. That's number one, empirical, just intellectual, has to speak to the logic. That's where a lot of people like to argue and prove and, yeah. and, and proof and academic, like, right? But that's so shallow. 
because that's not what Judaism is. Judaism is not intellectual academic topic. It's not. It includes the intellect, but it's not an academic topic. So what happens the next level? The next level is I want to have if I want to have a relationship with someone or some being, I don't just believe them to be in existence. That's just like the, the first belief, like I've heard of someone. Oh, I heard of someone. They're, oh, yeah, apparently you're really nice. That's where most of the world's at with the idea of debating if there's a God. I've heard of someone. They're really nice, I think. Okay, but let's debate whether they exist. Like that's where the, right? What we're talking about here is actually having a real relationship with God and really entering that relationship. Okay, I'm a bit insecure. I'm a bit unsure. I'm a bit vulnerable. I don't know. I'm scared. I could be right. I could be wrong. I'm not, right? If you think of a relationship that you know is loving in your life, someone you love, anyone, and I said, where do you feel that in your body right now, even though they're not in the room? Where do you feel it? Like here. Yeah, you feel the heart. It's like clear, right? A clear feeling. Now, if I say, but that doesn't really exist, you're making it up, it's in your head, like, you just say, cute, like, yeah. right. I know it. I know it. I have a feeling and I know it. I know it. You can tell me whatever you want, but I know with all of my being through my experience that it's true and I have a relationship with this person and I love them very much and the love and the connection is real. I can tell you I feel that even with my father who's not alive anymore. And that connection is real and, and unwavering and I still feel it alive today. And I'm not making it up. It's, re it's real. It's a, that's why I know I'll see him again because there's an eternal connection that didn't die when someone dies. Right? If any of you have lost anyone that you loved, you'll, you'll feel that. Grandparent, and there's a, it doesn't go away. The person physically is removed, but the feeling and the love doesn't go away, right? So, so then well, how do I build the relationships? It's a different question, right? right? How do I build it? I know there to be a God. I believe it could be true. I want to build the relationship because it's shaky. How do I build the relationship? So, so the Torah says really two things. One is you have to open, your si open yourself up to the size, the size of the eye of a needle. Perke Alva says, right? I'm open to the possibility, not just like prove everything to me first and then I'll be open, which is what we like to do. So I'm open to the possibility. I'm not sure if you exist, but I'm open to the possibility. So that's opening and inviting. I want to see if you exist. I want, to know you I want to know that you're there. That's number one. I'm open, I'm vulnerable, I'm interested. It's not an intellectual thing. It's an emotional thing. And number two is praying to God in your own words loud enough that you can hear it. Right, because the halacha says if you want to connect to God, you have to pray loud enough in your own words, even if it's not formal from the sitter in your own words in English, but loud enough that you hear it. Why? Because humans need connection to feel connected. Sorry, humans need speech to feel connected. Without that speech, we won't feel connected. God does know what's in our mind and our heart, but we won't feel connected. And every single time, without fail, that I've had someone come up to me and says, I believe in God, but I just don't feel God's connection. I don't feel the connection. What's wrong? Every time I say, are you speaking aloud? And every time they say no. Right? Because that, well, that makes sense. Because that's the halakha. It says that we need, we need the speech. So it feels really weird for about three days or four days. A week maybe. But after that weirdness, it, it feels the most natural thing in the world. So that's number one. You have to reach out and speak to God. Praise, request, thanks. Anything around those ideas of praising God. God, you're awesome. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful sunset. You're the best. You're amazing. Right? Or thank you so much for me getting that job. I really needed that job. Thank you so right? Whatever it is, praise. Request, I need help. Please help me get the job. Please help me, right? I don't I actually don't need a job. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> right? Um, please help me with this relationship. Please help me grow. Please help me, whatever it is. And, and, um, and thanks, obviously, when, when something actually happens for you, thank you. Right? So praise, request, thanks are the three constructions of prayer. Um, in your own words, informally or formally in the sitter, you'll see the, that structure. And then the second part, which people actually fail to do a lot of the time, is noticing when he shows up. 
Noticing when he shows up in your life. I told the story the other night, the other week of my, my teeth whitening story. Crazy story. I'll tell, I won't go through it now, but like I, I have this crazy thing. I need to get my teeth whitened. Just in myself, my own little mushugas in my head because a three-year-old told me on Shabbat I had yellow teeth. And um, you know how they're the worst. They come up and they your teeth are yellow. Right? And I was like, oh my gosh. And then like, I read away and I was like, she's right. Oh my gosh. Because I drink a lot of coffee and like I love red wine. I'm like, I, and so I was like, I should get my teeth whitened, but those crest strips don't work. So maybe I should get the dentist. I don't know. But that's expensive. I was just having this whole thing in my head. And a guy walks up to me upstairs, a student, and gives me a present out of the blue. I'm like, what? What's this for? And he goes, I just want to give everyone here a present. I'm so grateful for the center. I'm like, Okay, what is it? He goes, it's something my company just produces and gives away, and I open up, and it's dental strength tooth whitening. Wow. The same two days later, wow. and I was like, oh, oh my god! Like I got goosebumps. Like I was like, you don't understand. You know? And he just looks at me like it's, it's really okay. Like, so I was like, God cares about my teeth color. Like serious. Like. The detail of the care. The in- now, could you have just gone, oh my gosh, how random. Yeah. You could, many people would have said that, right? Oh my gosh, how random. How random. <laughs> right? That's exactly what No, it's not random. <laughs> right? It's a, sh- it's a shame in your life. Coming down and saying, you wondered whether I'm in your life in the details? Hello. Right? Just crazy. I talked about all that all through Israel. Um, like I, I went to Israel straight afterwards and I, I told him when I got back you, I, I, our story as I told him when that happens and uh, I said we, I told it all through Israel because it's such a little simple silly story but it's so big in the sense of the, the detail of the perfection of the impossibility that that's random when those things keep happening every time is, is liberating right is liberating and, and connects you in a very deep way when you start going oh my gosh like, some, like something's in my life that actually is following what I'm doing and carrying it right so those three things, empirically understanding, speaking out to connect, and watching the response, those three things, if you really do them properly, you will get the same level of knowing in your heart that you just did about someone you love. Make sense? That was very clear. Like, oh. The clearest I've ever heard. Okay, amazing. Thank you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks, the boss. Okay, so... So, okay, so, so this... Um, this is the result when I step out of alignment with these qualities. And what does that mean? There's, uh, you know, the beautiful poem, we should make it a quote for one of our instas. Um, uh, Light dispels the darkness. You know those? Right? So, like, that's true, but why? Like, what is that? That's what this is. This is the light, this is the dark, and a little bit of light will dispel all of the darkness in a second. Why? So... The idea is, and the best way to picture it is this, this idea that you can walk into a dark, dark room, pitch black, and you light a little tiny match, and the flicker of a flame will suddenly dispel all of the darkness, meaning that, that light, suddenly dis- the, the darkness will disappear. I mean, it's not bright in the room, but you'll see the outline of the whole room from a tiny little flicker of a flame. So with that flicker of a flame, the thickness of the darkness cannot exist, coexist at the same time, yes? Once you light the light, the light will dispel and evaporate the darkness in a second. Yes? It's not physically possible to walk into a light room with a little piece of darkness. You can't walk into a room with the lights on and I have a little piece of darkness in my hand. The darkness doesn't exist when the lights are on. That's this. Get it? The darkness doesn't exist when the lights are on. When the lights are on, 
there is no fear and doubt. When, when, I'm saying when they're really on, when you're really connected. Everyone has different levels. To the level I build up this sense of, of connection, to that degree, these things just will evaporate. It's a whole different thing that I have to work on my anger, I have to work on my anxiety. No, you don't. You just have to work on patience. You have to work on connection. You have to work on trust. You have to work on... It's a different focus, yeah. Are Jews not supposed to fear God? Yes, they are. So how can you say they're... Beautiful question. Beautiful, because the fear I'm talking about here is called pachad, and the fear you're talking about is called yira. And that yira is a sense of awe, of like awesomeness of my smallness in the greatness of the universe, that I know God is mighty and can do everything. He loves me, but I know he's so powerful. Like I'm, a, I'm a little, like an ant compared to that. That's a sense of awesomeness versus pachad. Oh my gosh, I'm terrified he's going to get me, right? Different, you hear the different, the different flavors, but in English we have the one word for everything. And in Hebrew that's much more, yeah, much more defined. Okay, um, so where does all this come in with self-acceptance, you ask? Glad you asked. So self-acceptance, it's interesting. God says in the Torah, stay away from falsehood. In Exodus, Exodus 23, 7, I think it is, says stay away from any falsehood. So most people think that means don't lie, don't, yeah, don't, don't lie, don't, don't go be around people who lie. But the deeper idea is, don't be false with yourself. Don't be dishonest with yourself. That's the first port of call, is with yourself. Stay away from falsehood internally. Everything we see with the commandments, the simple meaning is, okay, don't do this to others, right? But really the deeper idea is, don't do it with yourself first. So stay away, staying away from falsehood means, don't, don't be dishonest with yourself. And it's interesting, Carl Jung talked about the idea that whatever it is that you don't accept in yourself will end up becoming hostile to you. Any part of you that is part of your personality and who you are right now, that you absolutely reject, that you don't accept that you have it within you. I'm not saying you have to accept and like it and never want to change and grow. But you don't accept that it's there and that it's okay that it's part of who you are right now in your life. If you cannot accept part of yourself, it will become hostile to you. And not only that, I'm going to add something on to Carl Jung. You'll attract it in your life over and over again. And you're like, why do I keep attracting these types of people? Why do I keep attracting these situations? Like, why me? This is so unfair. No, Hashem's holding a mirror up. There's a mirror. He wants you to get something about your life. If you keep attracting the same kind of person, there's something in you that you hate in them that's in you. Right? The Talmud, what was our last quote we just put up? On Insta? Do you remember? Forgetting. <laughs> we don't see things the way they are. It's a, yeah. we, we see, see things, things the way, the way we, we are. are. Right? We're the lens. So I only look out of the world with who I am internally. If I don't accept myself, I will not accept certain things in other people. Right? I've had, I've had whatever, I'm not even going to take an example. I'm thinking of an example. But people who can't stand when other people aren't people pleasers. I have people, other friends, who couldn't stand other friends, that's what I'm thinking about more when I was at college, um, who were strong with their boundaries. They would say yes when they needed and no when they did. The other ones hated them because they couldn't do that about themselves. They couldn't do that for themselves, so why should you be able to do that? I have to compromise myself all the time to make everyone happy. So I am annoyed with other people who don't do that. 
but really they couldn't handle the fact that they really also should be accepting that part of themselves too, right? That I have a right to have my needs and say no to people and it's a big one for women. So stay away from falsehoods. So there's a part in ourselves that we like to pretend we don't have and then we put on a facade and a shell to pretend and prove to others that we don't have that thing. There's a facade and a shell that we put on to pretend to others that I don't have that thing inside of me that I don't accept. But it's a very thin veneer because everyone sees through each other's stuff, really. We think we're hiding it very much, but really other people see through it very quickly, right? But it's really an illusion to ourselves. So here, to the degree that I'm dishonest with myself, to this degree I'm not living in the world of connection, I'm not able to live with who I am and I can't move forward. The key to healing at a very deep level is to find the part of you that you refuse to accept, see where it lives inside of you, and just bring gentle acceptance to it and kindness. When you bring the light to something that's in the dark, it evaporates. So this is so powerful because any single part of you internally that you want to grow and heal, I'm showing you the way to do it. Now, it's not so easy. Sometimes it's easier to do one-on-one, -on -one, like as in do it in a one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's a therapy or I can meet with you one-on-one, -on -one, whatever. But I want to work on this issue. You find the issue. Where do, what is the issue? Number one, awareness. Number two, where does it live inside of me? Where do, when, what triggers me? And when it's triggered, whether it's from a person saying something or a family relationship, doesn't matter. When it's triggered, where do I feel it inside of me? And when I feel it inside of me, rather than squashing it, judging it, hoping it's not there, pushing it away, all the things we do, criticizing, analyzing, just find where it is, what does it feel like, and just gently bring acceptance that this is just how it is right now and it's totally fine, which is a meditative practice, by the way. That's a meditative practice to bring gentle awareness and acceptance to something, which is the benefit of meditation. The benefit of meditation is to bring just non-judgmental, non-results-oriented, non-achievement-oriented focus to whatever it is you're doing. And that's what we're typically terrible at. When you apply that internally to yourself, it's transformational. Yes? So that's all I want to talk about tonight. And well, I think you should practice it. Should we practice something? Yeah. Any questions, comments, protests? Anything not clear? Seems very simple in theory, but yeah.